Okay. Uh, so it's recording now. Yeah, yeah. You can you oh. can take it off the stand if you want, or you can wha oh, do whatever you like. It's, it's nice on the stand, so then I just checking that the sound is coming through. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. Um, so yeah, uh, to, this is uh, to the audience that aren't here. So this is a one thing to to say to listeners that the fringe experience can be quite a uh, a bleak one sometimes, and sometimes you end up in a room with no audience. But the thing is, we know that you're all out there, uh, and so that gives us a little bit more hope than most fringe performers with nobody in the audience. Um, and uh, yeah, this has been we've, I've been booked all of these GBA conversations on Tuesdays because Tuesdays are the quietest day, uh, and, you, and if I'm doing stand up tragedy uh five performers in a room with no audience they can't even if the, even if they know they're talking to loads of other people they can't bring the performance yeah. whereas you can do this conversation probably better uh yeah, without an audience it's, it's more relaxed. intimate yeah. i mean you know it's not as that intimate because we're sitting in a cave um in a, in a pub with lots of people far out we can hear people in the distance but they won't they won't necessarily come to see us in a room uh in darkness with lights so not normally the way that i do this show but it's homely and, and i also have um i have a friend here um who is going to sit on one of the chairs it's so uh, he, he can he can like give me a, a, a friendly smile right it's kind of is it a Le lego person it or? is a lego person cool um and that's the best kind of friend you can have they're reliable they'll always do what you want <laughs> keith is actually putting uh the the uh person on a seat but in fact i haven't introduced him yet because the show hasn't fully properly started so i better do the theme tune i need to get better please make me better I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Wow, and that was a good one because I messed it up, um, which is always great. For, for music lovers, you'll notice that the one of the chords was wrong, uh, but maybe people won't notice, and you should never really point these things out. But there we go. That was done, and it's, it's over. And in a flash, I will... Uh, well, not in a flash. It's quite hard to remove a ukulele. Uh, oh. This is kind of some nice visual humour for listeners <laughs> uh, in that I'm all tangled up with my ukulele. But today we're getting better acquainted with Keith Jarrett. Hello, Keith. Hello. Ah, right. Well, the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? <laughs> Good question. Um, I know you through the spoken word scene, through uh, probably through coming to Stand Up Tragedy and other nights you're one of the people that i just know yeah <laughs> right through, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just guess through that london spoken word scene um right and, and i can't even i can't even pin down an exact year that we would have first seen each other yeah i can't think of that i'm trying to think of it through now i mean definitely i would probably met you at one of richard's nights yeah. or through richard at least like he will have recommended you to me and i saw you perform and i can't remember the first time but i remember every time i've seen you perform i've been pretty much knocked out by how good you are oh, well, um you, you know which is my ex which is my uh, response uh, i don't expect you to agree with me i i know myself that's a hard thing to do when people compliment you i find that weird myself it's, it's it, it's lovely to hear but also i i find it difficult to respond to that because yeah. like i'm like wow that's really lovely and like oh that's also pressure because i i really want to um i'm, I'm my own worst critic as right. everyone is yeah i, I think I so hope. 
Yeah, um, it's kind of a good thing to be a, yeah. a, a critic of yourself, I think. Yeah. Um, but it can also be very, yeah, it, mean, it can mean that you kind of put yourself down too far, I guess. That's the only problem. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm learning how to respond to that when someone says, wow, that blew me away. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like, rather than it being a thank you question, like just turn it into a thank you. Yeah, like, right. I'm, like, that's I'm working lovely. on that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, so that's how I sort of came to know you. I mean, and I guess I've booked you for Stand Up Tragedy a few yeah. times. You hosted the, the show last night. Ah, oh, that was amazing. It was, it was nerve-wracking because I realised in a lot of my dealings with, with any kind of events, I, I very, very rarely have had to present anything. Um, or host anything. I don't know how I've gotten away with it. So <laughs> when I was asked, I just thought, yeah, of course, it'd be lovely, great. <laughs> and then, like, then I thought, oh, I've actually got to liaise with people and like get them to come, <laughs> and, and all, and and then I've got to go and like host and and sort of do the introducing and so. And and I, I'm a type of person. I I think slowly a lot of the time. It depends on how much coffee I've had. Right. Um, that's my visual cue to um, my my prep coffee. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah, and and it depends. So I, I don't always. I'm not always quick to think, which is why I write poetry, um, because I don't always have the answer, the smart thing to say the first time round. So I sort of muse about it for ages, and then like, yeah, I would have said this to you. Right. This is my poem. Um, so yeah, so hosting a show was really nerve wracking, but enjoyable yeah, yeah that's good I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. it I thought you'd be good I mean I, I thought you'd be good almost for the reason that you kind of were laying out there and that one of the things I like about when you do poetry sets is you kind of come on stage and you're very kind of you know you you you, 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 you like I am now you might put some gaps in and like some like you're a bit kind of like nervous maybe and like yeah. and then you just go into your poem and then you're like you're so together and like focused and then you like come back into Keith and you're like yeah. and I love that 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 mix between those two different, I guess, parts of you, but also as an audience member, it, it makes me feel safe to have yeah. someone up there being like just a bit down on themselves or a bit vulnerable or whatever, like you are. And then, and then suddenly I'm, I'm feeling safe and then you hit me with this focus and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I need now, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I know, I'm thank doing it again. Yeah. I've got to but stop complimenting. If this is an yeah. hour of compliments, then uh, we can't really get very far with that. But also, thank you for like, in, in, inviting me to do that. That was really cool. No, my pleasure. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, that's it's it's it was it's good to have the nights off, to be honest. <laughs> of course. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, and one of the one of the things I guess that 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 I think of like when I think of your poetry is, I mean, you've you're you've got some kind of signature poems, I guess. Oh, like yeah. the two that I I always think of is the one the one that's kind of uh, you've been writing poetry again, oh, okay, yeah. uh, and uh, the other one being get, uh, gay poem, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I want to, and I think with the you've been writing poetry again. That's fun, yeah. but it's kind of like it's about. I guess it's like a metaphor for some other things, but it's really just yeah. about like, uh, like to a certain extent, it's like a, it's a, it's almost a about what's. It's kind of a love song to like words and ideas and stuff. It it's, feels like in the end. Uh, what do you more think? Of a cry for help. Well, yeah, <laughs> it is that too. I um, I did. I wrote it directly onto my blog. Uh, about three in the I can trace it back three I can I can find it the original blog post I'm right. sure and it was about three in the morning and I had been writing 
loads of poetry, um, most of it not any good. And I think I had to be up at about six or seven, and it was already three, and I was like, you've been writing poetry again, you know, <laughs> what is the point of this? Right. And, and of course it is playful. I, I really, I, I love, I don't intentionally try and be humorous, but I, it, it just comes out. And I was, you know, I, I was being, what's the word? I was being jokey. Um, but at the same time, there, there was some, like, there were some other things under it. Um, well, it gets yeah. very serious. Yeah. Like, it ends very yeah. serious. And that's the kind of thing I was talking about in terms yeah. of it being, I think it's kind of almost a, a love song to words and poetry because it yeah. starts off very negative about that. Yeah. And it's very, like, self-hatey, kind of, like, yeah. internalised feelings about poetry. But the yeah. metaphor is obviously sexuality or, like, that sort of thing, right? Like, this idea of, like that what you're doing isn't right, it's not useful, it doesn't help yeah. society, all of yeah. that stuff. And I relate to that a lot. Like, yeah. is art, is there a point in art? Like, yeah. I make art because I think there is a point in art, but at the same time, I also don't see art changing anything very much. Yeah. You know? so it's, and, that's th and I never really answer that properly. I mean, the, the irony of it is, of course, I perform that poem saying that it's pointless to write poetry. And, you know, it doesn't, uh, there are too many wrongs to write, so right. good night. And if I'm doing a set where that's the last piece, I just walk off the stage, you know, good night, that's it, I'm done. But I'm actually performing something that I've written and obviously I don't think that Right, Otherwise, I, I wouldn't still be performing that. Well, I so think it has the opposite yeah. effect yeah. on the audience to hear it. Like, because you, it's yeah. an amazing poem. That's kind of, and this, it's really true. It's weird for me to describe it as a love, love poem in some ways to the ideas of words and, uh, and, and ideas because it's kind of like a hate poem to those things. Yeah, it's but, an imperfect But, but for me, it's like, because you perform it so amazingly, like as an audience member, I end, that, that poem ends and I'm like, yeah, like that's <laughs> what, you know, that's, yeah. there is a point in writing poetry. That is a demonstration of it even though it's saying that there isn't, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's like, that's, and that's a kind of a meta thing. Like it's kind yeah. of like that's, that works really well in poetry nights. It works really well for people who have feelings about poetry already. Yeah. But like the, the one that I think that I really like is when you, when you do directly, literally use like poetry as a metaphor for sexuality, right? And, 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 and the gay poem is, is so good. I mean, yeah, people should watch it. There's a video out there, right? Yeah, there's there's two. So there's an official one that uh, uh, Richard Tyrone Jones um, like made um, him, yeah. yeah with um, so there was some funding and and funding is lovely, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, so it's very like good. A, a proper very film rarely happens. And, yeah, yeah, and a guy called Mark Chaudois directed it, and it, it was yeah brilliant. But that's the film version, but. There's also just a version of me just doing, doing it, it. In, at a slam. And I think, um, in a, uh, yeah. not to say I don't really enjoy the, yeah. the filmed version, I do, and the funding was well spent, but, yeah. but I actually really, I think I enjoy it most when it's just you directly talking. And that's, you know, tastes will be different. People should try them both. Yeah. <laughs> Six minutes. Yay. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, and, and is that poem, a l like, because in the poem you say that you were asked to, like, part yeah. of the... the the construction of the poem is that you were asked to write a gay poem. And it's a true story, yeah. I, um, this was a few years ago now, and I'm, I'm trying not to calculate how many years. Um, and I was <laughs> at an event, um, it was a podcast, um, and it was at Gay's the Word Bookshop, 
and I I'd been writing a bit of poetry here and, and I won a couple of slams and and I was some of it was kind of angry and political some of it was I, I tried never to get too personal or I had vague love poems with you um, rather than any specific gender and then I was asked um, if I had a gay poem to read out and and I was like no I, I, I don't have a gay poem and then I was like that kind of idea toyed in my head what's a gay poem what's a gay poem so I think it was later that night um, and the next day, actually, um, I was meant to be working, <laughs> and uh, and I started writing the poem, and I showed it to someone, and and kind of got a near kind of response, a lukewarm response, and I thought maybe it's a silly idea. Like it, it was just like the first couple, you know, they asked me if I had a gay poem, and I said, no, and I was thinking of all of the like cliches that you use with um that you kind of relate to being gay and um so i left it so after that day i i left that i'd written handwritten some notes in the beginnings of that poem and i had it in like amongst other papers and then it kind of got lost amongst other papers and then i must have been moving out a year later or something and i i found the beginnings of this gay poem and I thought wow this is really interesting and I stopped whatever I was doing when I found it and just had to write the, the rest of it which had probably been germinated like it'd been in my head for nearly right. a year but locked away in some drawer yeah you do a lot of writing yeah. when you're not writing I oh, think yeah. yes I mean I, I personally find anyway I'm yeah. pretty sure that's a lot of writers feel that way that, yeah. that when you're not working you're still kind of working oh yeah like life is like actually work like yeah. it's part of the work which yeah. is good and bad it's bad because <laughs> then you'd like to tell people you know i'm going for a walk i'm having a coffee that's work um <laughs> because you know i'll have a conversation or something will happen on that walk and that will you know and, and my reading as well you know that yeah. will all build towards something i don't think i was ready to write gay poem when the idea first came to me but a year later as I sat down, I finished writing it and I thought, I've got something that I quite find... In it was unlike what I'd written before. I had issues with, with mentioning sexuality at all in poetry. Um, so then I just performed it at a slam and to, to get a response um, from that poem, I thought, wow, this was the poem that I should have written right. um and and then after that it's been phenomenal just like that's I, I it's it's interesting because before that i had another signature poem which was like playing with the mns adverts this isn't just any poem um and i was kind of known to some people you know like the the mns poet and then I think I became the gay poet. Um, <laughs> right, which is kind yeah. of uh, ironic. Yeah. Because that poem is kind of about not being boxed in in lots exactly. of ways and yeah. and about, like, yeah, the com complexities of the closet or not the closet, yeah. right? And, and it's kind of ironic for then you to become the gay poet in people's yeah. heads. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but it's in, in a weird way of, like, not the gay the, the the as in the gay poem poet yeah but right that's right and i've had some really odd reactions so like i i've used that i mean i found that i was really chuffed when i found out that 
um, it had been the video of me just performing it at this slam two years ago um, was used in at a teachers conference and so some teachers have started using that in their schools to talk wow. about homophobia it's an appropriate yeah. resource and, I think yeah and but I was really just surprised that you know there was this little poem that I wrote and it's being used in you know in discussions and I went into a class at this school where I'd been doing some teaching and one of the pupils you know she must have been about 12 years old just said ah i saw you on youtube you're famous sir <laughs> okay you know you're famous yeah. if yeah, you're yeah, on yeah, youtube yeah right um she's great i felt all rock star and <laughs> she was like yeah um and you did that i've um that gay poem don't worry we, we don't think you're gay and and i've had that i've had that comment like I'm not going to say countless times because I probably can count it, but I've had that comment a few times, and it's it's like, did you get the point of the poem? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's odd, yeah. But interesting, interesting, but odd. And and that comment hasn't just been from kids, but from adults as well, or um, you know, a couple of times. Um, one memorable time. In particular, I um, was about to start a gig and I was one of the features and the other feature sort of turned to me and said, oh yeah, I did a bit of like Googling of like who I was performing with. And I saw, you know, you had your um, your your gay poem, which I like, are, are you gay? That was the first Whoa. kind of question. Yeah. Like, and I was like, wow, this is like, here I was, the, the, the reason why I was conflicted, you know, that, those years ago when I was in that um, in, in that bookshop and asked if I had a gay poem my immediate reaction was one, should I have one, two, the realisation that I'd avoided talking about sexuality at all and then here I am years later um, and the first thing people do upon you know meeting me and uh, having never met me before is <laughs> is sort of consider my sexuality. Right. Um, and that's even weirder is, because if they've yeah. listened to that poem, watched that poem, they probably should know already. Yeah. Like that's kind of like, you think you put that out, you never have to have that conversation again. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, if you see the, like the beginning of the slam one, you, you kind of realise it's, it's at a queer slam. Um, so then you would. But if you, if that uh, uh, like avoid, escaped you somehow, I think the, the, Probably what for me works about the poem is it doesn't actually confront the speaker. It's saying, you know, there's this gay poem. They asked me if I had a gay poem. What what would happen if this poem is gay? You know, right. do I embrace it? Do I not? Right, that's true. And so it doesn't really, the focus isn't on me in particular, but just on the ridiculousness of sort of labeling things. And then people, like there's there's the metaphor underneath it, yeah. which is personal, but the 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 basic premise of the poem is look at this poem and look at what we're doing with it and like oh wow this is a gay poem let's you know do, do we sort of quote it Leviticus or, or yeah or, right or burn it um, <laughs> you know, so yeah yeah I mean and that's I mean it's a, it's yeah I mean I guess and that's the thing like clause you you never I I understand as far as I understand it you couldn't have never ever kind of fully come out of a closet because right. there's always new people that you meet who don't know that and I yeah. I don't I don't have that experience because I 
uh, because I'm not gay, but I do have that experience a little bit in that I'm in an open relationship. Yeah. And we, me and my partner did on this very show, did a whole two episodes explaining why we thought, put that out there. Mm-hmm. That's the end of that. No, we won't have to have that conversation again. But no, but no one listens to it. So I meet people who I think will know it. Yeah. And, I, and I assume they know it. And I start talking to them and they start thinking I'm like having affairs. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Right, I'm gonna have to explain this whole thing again, yeah. and it must be—it's like that times times a lot more yeah. uh, for, for 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 gay people, I guess. Well, it's or it's, some it's, gay yeah. people. It's never a yeah for some I mean, generalizations are problematic, and, that's, and that's the the thing because because there is an overlap with gender and assumptions. You know, someone who is um, possibly you know if 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 I were to dress in sort of tight pink clothes and walk around in a miniskirt then people would make natural assumptions yeah. you know people would assume that I was gay <laughs> right um just because of it. so yeah i mean there, there are certain I, I don't know where i'm necessarily going with this thread but just like there 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 are things i think that the poem is about assumptions and then what's the the meta bit of like people afterwards is they do assume and then of course there there is that of i don't know people i guess to to communicate with you i guess they they sort of make quick assumptions right and how do you deal with that <laughs> like yeah. and then and how do you cope like how do i cope with and i do have a, a little haiku that i've got of of just being in the tesco's and buying flowers for someone um and it was actually a guy and it wasn't even romantic and but immediately the cashier just said oh lucky girl and and like oh okay really right this could be for my dad this could be for you know it could do anything but there are these like shortcuts and and do you want to pull up people every time do you want to like do I confront the girl who says, well, we don't think you're gay? Do I have to say, oh, actually, or do, do, do I have to? So there's, there's some, um, you know, do you say to everyone, do you have to, every time you do a podcast, say, oh, I'm in an open relationship? Right, right, uh, right, exactly. I didn't, I, I don't I mean, know. Yeah. You know, I guess, and 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 those two those two disclosures are kind of they have similar kind of like complications. Mm. And sometimes you probably really really do want people to know you're yeah. gay because they're hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same. There's sometimes I really do want people to know I'm yeah. in an open relationship, yeah. um, but not all the time. And I don't want to always be talking about that, and I don't want that to yeah. be define me. Yeah. And and so all of that those kind of feelings, I guess, are are, are on the same continuum as what it's yeah. like to be gay, but with a hell of a lot less stigma and homophobia and yeah. all the rest of the shit around it. Um, although a little bit, but not much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, if I was gay and in an open relationship, then that would be extra stigma. But that's yeah. a that's a different thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, the second question I ask everybody is, what do you do now? Ah, what do and I, I do think now? we'll come back to some of these other issues that I that I want to talk to you about, so I don't forget the second yeah. question. <laughs> what do I do now? Yeah. Oh, that's such a philosophical question. <laughs> I know. What do I do? The now, now bit really kind I, of froze I, people. Yeah. yeah. I, I often ask myself, what do I do now? <laughs> After all of this, what do I do now? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Curl up and, 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 and that's, that's what I do now. <laughs> no, um, generally, in, in life, what I do yeah. now is uh, I wait till October where I start a PhD. Right, yeah. Um, 
which is incredible. Um, I get to actually write my novel. Um, yeah. And it's three years, um, three years funded. I get the opportunity to write my novel, to do some research on Pentecostalism, which is going to be a big theme in my novel. Um, I also continue to be like involved with the Spoken Word Educators Project, um, which is something that I um, first got involved with three years ago. It, it's first started three years ago. Um, and what else? I'm writing. Um, I've just had a book out. Um, so I'm sort of like still in joyful mode. Yeah. You know, post book release. But I'm also writing more poems for my next one. Right. Um, so I can have a full collection this time. This was a pamphlet, 20 poems. The next one, let's aim for double. Right. Um, so that's what I'm doing, writing poetry, writing the novel. Um, and yeah, still working, doing, doing a few workshops, working with young people, um, waiting for an email from um, anyone really. British Council <laughs> would be lovely. Go yeah. somewhere um, and do, I, I did this most amazing thing. Um, I I was invited to go to Bilbao. Um, this was in June, um, May or June, yeah, end of May, um, and I had to perform inside this um, gigantic eyeball. <laughs> it was inflatable um, and kind of see-through, so wow. there, there was audience inside and outside, and I also had to do workshops <laughs> in Spanish with these school kids. Um, and more stuff like that, like really crazy stuff. I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that I am also not doing a solo show, which is, um, that's sort of not the question you asked. You said, what are you doing now? What, what do I do now? But it, I think what I do is not do a solo show <laughs> um, and see loads of stressed people. So what I do right. is wake up this week and not have a massive plan, like have like loads of shows that I want to see yeah. um, and go and guest at some shows, be interviewed and <laughs> relax and like see all the really stressy people around Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, I'm so jealous of yeah. you at this moment. I, I am doing a solo show and uh, yeah, that's uh, an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Which I'm looking but, forward to seeing as well, yeah. Well, good. So, yeah. And I mean, and it's, you know, it's like anything, like when you, would, when you were doing your solo show, then yeah. that will have been rewarding as well as stressful and all of that oh, stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it's a mixed bag, but I, I do really envy the position of just being able to go. I've had, a, you know, both yeah. you and uh, Samantha Mann, who was on before, uh, were yeah. both like not doing shows this year. Yeah. And uh, wow, like, yeah, it, it just looks so good to be able yeah. to go to any shows you want to see and just be relaxed. I mean, Edinburgh is a great place for punters. Uh, yeah. And it's a good place for performers too. It's kind of a magical place. In it's the, magic in the art yeah. takes over a city and that never yeah. happens so in that respect it's great you can't move for ideas yes. but you could also can't move for egos and pain and suffering because oh, <laughs> everyone's yeah. put everything on the line and uh you know that costs money and if it goes wrong yikes yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm not thinking about while I'm here. That's a, that's a tomorrow uh, issue. Um, well, not tomorrow. Next thankfully. week. Next week. Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, before, so before you got to this point in your life uh, where you're doing your PhD and you're kind of going into this, this kind of new phase, I guess, you're on the, on the cusp of a new, a new moment in yeah. your life. Um, before that, you've done teaching in a few different ways to, to, as a day job, right? Yes. Um, so you mentioned spoken word ed- educators, um, but bef- was it before that or maybe at the same time you also did some primary school teaching, is that right? Oh, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, so it all started when I was an undergraduate I studied Spanish, I spent a year in the Dominican Republic and I was meant to be, and I did a TEFL course and I was meant to be teaching English, I was teaching English, um, but the literacy wasn't that great, it was a school that had, um, the pupils were, had had a lot of issues, it was supported by a charity, right? so it was full of primary school, the, the equivalent of primary school. Um, pupils who wouldn't otherwise go to school right okay. um, and so I ended up doing a like a literacy program in Spanish and that was kind of my first experience of ad hoc teaching and so when I got back to the UK um, after quitting my first job <laughs> um, we won't say much about that now um, <laughs> I uh, I, I I did a number of things, and among them was teaching Spanish um, to primary school kids, um, and on a kind of ad hoc basis, um, and also in in a kind of as part of the inclusion. So there were a lot of um, kids, for instance, who weren't yet comfortable, who you know, who were like seven or eight years old, um, had come to the UK from different places. Um, and you know maybe english was even their fourth or fifth language right and, and so to do some like spanish and so the english they weren't confident with english but you start from scratch with a bunch of seven-year-olds and say we're going to learn spanish now and suddenly just seeing that like equalizer none of them knew any spanish before um and then just seeing like a, a romanian kid suddenly like perk up and like tell the teacher something in Spanish and like then just like it, it was really it was really wonderful so then I got more involved in inclusion and I started doing a mentoring project again in a primary school and then that moved on to a secondary school which was linked to the primary school and then I was doing much more like stuff of working with kids at risk of exclusion and which was very rewarding but also very depressing because you do see a pattern right of um certain kids who get singled out in primary school um and and particularly i mean one one of the factors was also looking at race um and just looking at how teachers reacted to certain pupils and then you see how that follows through into secondary school and of course um that has an, a knock-on effect if certain kids get expelled then they end up in a through a pupil referral unit yeah. um, and then it's much more likely that they end up in jail that has much more so the like seeing that trend was um, I, I, I lack words traumatic in right. some ways um, I but, mean yeah I've 
not yeah. had that experience, but yeah. I have seen that trend a little bit because yeah. I, I used to work with the under fives yeah. uh, in some quite, uh, de- you might say, deprived areas, complicated yeah. areas, areas with lots of like different races in. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, you'd see them at that age and you would, they've, you know, at that age, there's, everyone's just a person you know yeah. they're just a, they're, you know, and you can see they're not they've not been ruined by the world yet they might mm-hmm. have hard home lives or whatever but they they haven't been ruined by the w- world yet but you know you know you know that they're brothers and sisters you hear about what's happening to them you know where those kids are going and you know that that kid could that kid is not bad yeah. that kid is not someone who won't uh, they they can be educated or whatever whatever education means because mm-hmm. that's a complicated word yeah. but they could, they don't have to be dropped by this system they've yeah. got the qualities that the system thinks are, are important yeah. but they're getting you can see how they're already getting sort of pushed away from being able to feel confident in those areas and all yeah. of those sorts of things and yeah yeah so it's it's difficult um but there's hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's right. hope. And then what? What I did since doing the the, the mentoring, um, where I I thought that I'd permanently stepped away from education, but no, that wasn't to be. Um, I I ended up, and there's a long story behind that. But I ended up um, being involved in in what is this amazing project, spoken word educators, yeah. which has really taken spoken word poets. Um, who are used to like, you know, before then I've done like the odd workshop here and there. Oh, and I did some spoken word projects in, you know, in a school where you, you do something for a week or a month if you're lucky, um, usually just one day, um, and then you go off again. But this was about embedding poets in a school, getting us on a MA program as well, um, which was called Writer Teacher, looking at um, writing... Um, positioning yourself as a writer within the educational system and looking at the conflicts within that, looking at pedagogical theory, and I can't say Yeah, it's word. a hard word to yeah. say. I did a bit of that at uni, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really cool. And that MA was in... There were six of us that first year, um, and a guy called Peter Kahn, who is from Chicago, and he worked in a school... He was the only, like, full-time spoken word educator um, in the U.S., as far as I'm aware, um, beforehand. And, he, he, and he'd done some work a decade before with something called the London Teenage Poetry Slam when he was living um, in London. And he came back on a sabbatical and he sort of knocked heads together with a few other people and said, OK, let's look at how we can try and get poets in school full-time and looking at all of that stuff of okay so you do have um a rigid educational system which favors certain people um who who can fit into it right but then you have poets and you have poetry which can have an effect and it can change things um as well as do all of the stuff like improving literacy improving creativity it also has an emotional effect it, it, it it's it can change someone's life i mean poetry's changed my life um so it's a simple premise of just okay let's see if we can you know have a poet put them through a, a really grueling ma um <laughs> which is also really amazing but while you're doing that get them like trained up to to, to teach in a school get them thinking about um, not just doing these ad hoc workshops, but actually 
you know, we, we, we had to start planning lessons and planning a series of, of classes that we might do and thinking about um, how you deal with, and I'd very rarely had a whole class of 30 kids. How do you deal with a class of 30 kids of, of mixed ability, right. mixed interests? Um, you know, some of them will be fully engaged from the get-go. Others, you're going to have to work for it. Um, and 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 get them on board writing poetry and really looking at self-reflection and creativity and everything else. And I had a very intense couple of years in many ways. And being part of the spoken word education project was phenomenal. It, it's like that's... I think has been part of like the next phase of my life really um and then so I spent after graduating I spent one year um in in uh, in a school in East London um and then I cut down my time to work in another school just doing the after school club um and there's some amazing poets of the future i'm gonna be out of a job that's partly but the phd is so that i start writing fiction so because like no one's gonna want to put me up <laughs> on, on stage well, in, in a decade I don't know about that, <laughs> yeah. yeah no like they're, they're i mean I, I believe they're amazing writers. i believe like, they're amazing i just don't you wait i don't in, believe that in, they'll outsign you no, i think no, you, no. in 10 years time you wait yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them, but I hope that in 10 yeah. years' time there'll still be, you know, whoever you are in 10 yeah. years' time to interact with them on a stage yeah, as well. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll probably say, okay, let's, let's be polite and invite him. Well, I'm quite into in, like, intergenerational, yeah. like, performances, like, where, at least where you've got a lineup that has young people and old people yes. and, and people in between, because that's, yeah. you know, that's how we learn from each other. And I think old people have just as much to learn from young people oh, yeah. as the other way around. Like, that's the saddest thing about yeah. this kind of weird... Um, separation like mm -hmm. divide between di between generations is that yeah. we can all benefit so much from that hugely so and, and that's the problem so i actually confession i actually hate schools <laughs> 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 i really hate schools right um and it, it, yeah sometimes like i get a really visceral reaction to being in the school building yeah i didn't really like my well that's being really mild i i didn't like my school growing mm, up right um and you know and i had my problems growing up and um so walking into a school and walking into a system that i didn't feel was good for me spiritually or, or you know creatively or emotionally but was good academically you know i went through it and i yeah. did i did well um it's difficult but then um where was I going on that? Well, that you hate schools, but you have become passionate about education, yeah. from, at least from a spo spoken word point of view. Yeah, and, and, and oh yeah, so on the, it was on the sort of having stuff to learn both ways. Every time I do a workshop with young people, I am learning from them as much as, if not more, than they're learning from me. Right. And, and part of... Um, of course, part of the school structure and what I was saying about hating schools is, is, is it's very hierarchical. The teachers say is right and, you know, and, and, and pupils are there to, like sponges, suck up all this information and regurgitate it for an exam um, and, you know, and hope for the best. But actually, um, and I mean, I'm, I'm not the first person to say this. I mean, there are like 
theorists going back to right. Paolo Freire and like all you know we, you can research them um, <laughs> who say you know like dialogical learning like you, learning is a dialogue yeah I learn from you you learn from me everyone sees the world differently because they're coming from different spaces within the world um, and you know and it's even with something that you think is as cut and dry as maths um, you can actually you know there are different ways of adding things up and yeah. doing things yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. so you know th rather than just saying this is my way and, and you know then um, I, I've, I've learned so much from the kid. I mean, even one, one of my kids um, made me write a poem um, for her. She said, I am writing this poem um, off my own back um, and I've given it this title and I want you to write a poem with that title so that I can finish my poem. Wow. <laughs> and so of course I did like, it's the first time that I'd been set homework by you know, <laughs> someone younger than me. And, and I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. Let's go. And that is a poem that I've really loved and I've loved, loved performing it. And, and um, hopefully in my, when it's ready, it will be in my next, it will be in my collection. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I, mean I, I, I really agree with you about, um, about, education being a dialogue and, uh, and I also really uh, resonate with your feelings about school when you've seen my show you'll uh, understand that even more uh, so I won't necessarily bore you with it here um, if I'm going to perform it at you in a few days but um, but yeah I mean I definitely have that experience of going into educational institutions and feeling like oh fuck this yeah. is I like, like they're just the, the the feel of the walls you know, the kind yeah. of paint in the, in those kind of places sometimes it just take me straight back to some really really not fun experiences um yeah. but um yeah so when did poetry come into your life like you said it changed your life as well yeah. that's a, a big thing to say yeah so for me i mean the, the it changed my life in different phases i mean i i always um had some kind of a relationship with poetry you know kids nursery rhymes right. um and then you know i wrote loads of rhymey stuff when i was like 11 you know <laughs> yeah um and it was fun and i always enjoyed writing creatively and it was always encouraged um at home and at school so um so i did i didn't really think anything of it it was just something that i did and enjoyed and then um Probably, you know, being a teenager, writing some sort of darker, like, teenager-y stuff. Um, yeah, the stuff that you just put in a vault for the rest of your life, but yes, was kind of important to do. Unless, like, one of your parents finds it and gets the wrong end of the stick. Right. Um, <laughs> um, less said about that, about, but, um, yeah, so I didn't, I stopped writing poetry for a while, actually, like, at around 15 um, but then I wrote that's the thing people ask when did you start doing like spoken word like what was it I I always have written and I've always kind of performed I've been like I was in school plays and stuff and even at university I was in a play um, and then I was really into my hip hop and I I, I used to rap a right. bit and I had friends that I'd like kind of rap and sing with um, and some of it was awful, <laughs> like really <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, yeah, 
I've now put away such childish things. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, so then um, I, this is the myth I tell myself because actually I've, I've realized that I did go to an open mic night probably when I was about 18, 19. But when I got back from um, the Dominican Republic, I saw a poster for, uh, uh, it was advertised as a poetry slam in Spanish. And I'd been, and I'd only just got back, and I was like, "Wow, you know, I I, I like poetry, um, and I kind of miss um, not speaking Spanish like all the time with everyone. Um, I've got to go to this, um, and I went, and that was the first time that I walked into a slam, um, and I guess from there on in, like I got involved in the slam scene a bit right. more. Because um, you are UK Poetry Slam champion, right? Or were a while I, I ago. Was, yeah, you're not the current yeah. holder, but no, you had this it. This was like five years ago. Yeah, but it's the kind of five years ago that you can keep on writing <laughs> on your on your flyers. Like, I, former UK yeah. Poetry Slam champion is pretty good. I, I have done that yeah, before. And, 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 it and you gets, should, yeah. yeah and it's it useful. Gets me, and it got me, you know, I, I ended up um, taking a part in a World Slam in Rio yeah. at the end of last year mostly if the back of that title so I'm, I'm not gonna complain about that <laughs> it's done me good but um so slams wow that's that's where like poetry has changed my life if i'd never won that uk poetry slam title i probably wouldn't have ended up in brazil <laughs> and then if i hadn't been in brazil probably wouldn't have ended up in bilbao in the giant eyeball um if i hadn't done that you know so there's loads of things that my, the trajectory of my life has kind of changed and I've done so many I've travelled I've even been to places like Guernsey which I probably wouldn't have gone to otherwise right. it just hasn't you know and um, or going into schools and confronting that you know like that but I, I probably would have just stopped after teaching Spanish and like gone and done something else but instead I've had to like come back into schools and, and deal with okay so I do have this reaction to a building and to a system, but I'm going to face that right. <laughs> and actually do something that I'm passionate about. So, yeah, it, it's changed. It has changed my life. It's it's changed um, my social life as well. Um, often revolves around going to at least one or two, sometimes three or four, <laughs> you know, um, poetry gigs in a week. Um, and so a lot of my friends and a lot of the, the, the way that I work and sort of the, a lot of the way my days are structured are, are based around poetry. Right. Um, without even me thinking about it, it's just natural, you know. Right. Like I, that is my week, you know. There are certain friends that I almost only ever see in a poetry gig. Um, um make of that what you will um, <laughs> um yeah so i mean like so kind of what we were talking about at the past in the past at the beginning of the the conversation was about um was we were sort of talking about some of the kind of assumptions that people can make when they see people right yeah. and so i guess that kind of like 
I thought, well, we can talk about that then or we can just talk about it later because yeah. there's other things and I don't want to only talk about identity, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't like the idea. Like sometimes, you know, if I have someone of color on my show, mm -hmm. I quite like not mentioning that. Yeah. So then no one knows. Or like yeah. if I have a gay person, like if those things don't come up, if they're not relevant, but then often they are really relevant oh, yeah. because they're, of course, they're the they're really important factors to people yeah. uh, to people's lives and identity so it's it's hard to have somebody that that has identity complications on the show without talking about them yeah. um and yeah i mean you did so your sh the show that you did was kind of about identity right yeah. i mean and you you so you, for for listeners at home you you know you have a a, a number of different things that intersect right yeah. over each other yeah. um in you in your life like yeah. it's you're 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 the theory that everyone likes to talk about in person yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah although i'm not a single mother that's true um, yeah. yeah right that that would you know <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, there are definitely people with top trumps over you yeah. i'm not i'm certainly not suggesting that but but yeah i mean you have num a, a, a number of things that mean people look at you in different ways so one yeah. of the reasons perhaps why people uh, assume you're not gay mm. is because you, you you're a, a black guy that wears hip-hop clothes a little bit right and they and people don't assume that those people are gay even though loads of them are right yeah i mean i, I correct please correct yeah. me because if i'm wrong because i i am yeah. very likely um, to be <laughs> no, no, no I, I was just taken aback by saying like wearing hip hop clothes I'm like eh, I guess like the baseball right player, well, like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah but that's the thing that's yeah. all someone needs to yeah. make a snap decision yeah. about you I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that you are oh, no, um, I, tied into one fashion you are you're actually yeah. very creative in the way you dress oh yeah no, no no I just I was like oh really like I'm, I'm hip hop yeah. <laughs> um, that was I, I was I, I like that but um, it, I, I hats out of um um convenience and warmth and everything i got into the habit of wearing um baseball caps like from when i was probably about 14 which is when i started cutting my hair myself right um and with very um mixed results <laughs> shall we say and then like because i cut my hair regularly like at about i don't know the age of 21 i noticed that i was starting to recede a bit um well my hair just wasn't growing in one place as quickly as i'd like it to right so then it just became more of a regular like i'm gonna shave like absolutely um so then like having a cap is like is is the you know i can't change my hairstyles anymore right i, I missed that why didn't i do that as a teenager why didn't i <laughs> you know have cane row or like you know did i there's a lot of bloody yeah. options. There's as well, so actually. many options that I can't do right. again this lifetime, um, unless I do a Rain Rooney. And so, um, yeah. Don't worry about that. Uh, it's just my alarm letting me know that we have a little bit of time left. Okay. So yeah. Um, so yeah, and but coming back to the intersection stuff, I mean, it is. So my show was called um, Identity Mix Up, and maybe I will resurrect it again. Um, but it was really looking at all of these different aspects of identity and it starts off with me um, just removing all these labels that I have on me um, and me saying I want to you know, construct my own identity um, using my clothes and things you know, and, and using my history right. um, but then right at the end of it and this happened while I was doing the, actually creating the show I realised that it's all well and me and good me saying that, but that 
instantly puts me in a position of privilege. I can say um, whether or not um, you know I wish to be defined as gay or you know I can I can say all like Raven Simone who really annoys me who who um said you know she she transcends everything um she she doesn't consider herself um African American um but you know she's American um and it's like well no you're you're a black woman and it's great because you're a rich black woman you're protected from certain things that other people don't but whether I like it or not, when I walk down the street, I'm a black guy. Um, and so, and it's so simple, but at the same time, that isn't everything. Like, people don't know about me, and people then make assumptions about race and sexuality. Right. Like, well, he can't be a gay black right. guy. Um, so then they'll make, but I can be inside. I'm just Keith. Yeah, <laughs> but right. But outside, I, I know that there are certain things that other people see me as. And I, rather than just outright rejecting them and saying, no, I'm not black, no, I'm not gay, no, I'm not this, no, I don't have a gay poem, no, I don't, saying, actually, I am. I'm also this, if you care to know me. Um, but I am first and foremost going to protect myself. And, and, and But at the same time, I'm not going to, I can't pick and choose how other people see me. That's right. going to happen anyway. Right. So I just need to be confident in who I am. Um, and and then the rest will be okay-ish. <laughs> okay-ish. I mean, hopefully, like the idea, and I hope that through poetry and whatever else I do and other people do, we change society. Right. And so, you know then people won't necessarily make certain assumptions about me because of my appearance. But until we get there, um, then it happens and I need to deal with that and then work on other people as well. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You can Whatever work we do on ourselves, yeah. whoever we are, yeah. we still have to deal with society around oh, yeah. us. That's the... That's the fucker. But, yeah. but also, that's a good thing. I mean, it's, you can look at that as a, as a negative. Society's very hard to, yeah. to, to negotiate, but it's also, it's people, it's other people, right? It's also, it, it's, I, I look at it as a negative sometimes, yeah. and on, on a bad day, um, when I'm asked for the 54th time, you know, where are you from? Where you're really from? Where are your parents from? Like, Why are you interested in my parents? <laughs> um, you know, like, just, you know, out of the blue. But, um, I don't know, like I, as much as it's negative, it's also a challenge. It's also something that is, you know, provides me with a, a certain richness as well. You know, I'm, I am proud of who I am. Yeah. Um, and how other people see me or not is 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 also something that is is a part of like because it's a two-way thing as well how do i see the people who are seeing me right <laughs> um right and you know and i then you know do i make the same assumptions well and how um, do they say yeah. see themselves as well because we're all told yeah. how to see not like yeah. you know th that's the thing like uh, like 
a black person is told how to think about black people by society. Yeah. The same way that a white person is told to think yeah. about black people by society and about white people. So we all have these really complicated matrixes to like shift through and like what's internalized this and what's, yeah. you know, and what's that's it? why Trevor Phillips annoys the fuck <laughs> out of me. Um, right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'm not sure if I should expand if we've got enough time for well, that. No, so. you can, you, well, I mean, you should probably say who Trevor Phillips is. Um, so he used to be the... Um, the <laughs> We're looking around. Is he yeah. yeah. He used to be the head of the Commission for Racial Equality, I believe it was. Um, and, uh, oh, he just recently did this documentary about, like, sort of... <sighs> stereotypes and stuff and but also he did say in some article that you know sometimes he'll cross the road when he sees a group of black teenagers and maybe he does and maybe it's an honest thing to say but it's not helpful sometimes and and the program that he did just really wasn't good yeah, <laughs> and I mean, was really i mean just 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 see yeah it. it'll be on youtube somewhere even i as um, a privileged white yeah. person could see how wrong trevor phillips was yeah, it's really, <laughs> really really bad and and i just feel sorry i feel <laughs> really really sorry for for myself for <laughs> him <laughs> um yeah but i mean it's it's interesting that it's been talked about that's the other thing so you know for for all of the negatives of that things are coming up and I'm I'm seeing you know you know with Black Lives Matter in the in the states like things are being discussed. There's I'm finding um, trans issues are coming up more. Like uh, identity politics is coming up more. Yeah. Um, into like mainstream discourse, and it's good. It's also bad. And I've I had this conversation with with someone who's who's just appeared in the room actually a bit earlier that that there are some bits of identity politics that um are exclusive and mostly because i think in, in my opinion there's a there's a lot of hurt people out there right um and so we just need to figure out what to do with this how to heal those hurt yeah. people i think that's true too i, I think I, I i i'm passionate about identity politics but there are those kind of edges where you're like mm. you know yeah it's 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 dangerous to sort of like be exclusionary back mm -hmm. but but uh but you know i'm in a very different structural position so having those feelings is a very different thing for me probably but probably not maybe no who, who knows yeah, like we're, we're all part of the same society and so we all pick up the same kind of cues i i, I find oh I'm not even going to go. I was going to go off on, an, on another um, little tangent. Well, we probably I, don't I, have time for it. Because <laughs> the, the, the next, act, uh, the next uh, show Ooh. will want to happen. Oh, that's yeah, even the mic is the mic's up. The mic's given up. Yeah, toppled <laughs> over. The last question I ask everybody uh, is, do you have anything to plug? Yay. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> so I want to plug, while I'm in Edinburgh, um, the, so far, the really great shows that I've seen, uh, James McKay's uh, The Boy with the Moomin Tattoo, Paula Varjek's, um, um, I think it's called I'm Being Myself. How, I became, how, how I became Myself by, by being Becoming Someone Else, yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know, I've, I, I've only been here two days, so I don't know what else. On a personal level, my own stuff, um, I've got a poetry pamphlet that is just out um, called I Speak Home. Um, I speak home. I speak home. 
and there's a story on how I came up with that title, but never mind. Um, <laughs> and uh, that and the Spoken Word Educators Project for anyone who wants to get involved in it next year. Um, just, yeah, just give me a shout or the, any of the people involved in it. Um, you can find it on Twitter just by Googling. Um, and, and how can they find you on tri- uh, on online? Because you, they, if they want to buy your book, they need to know where to go. Yeah. Um, firstly, um, Twitter, maybe um, Keith J. London, um, all one word, um, of course. And their Facebook, uh, it should be Keith Jarrett Poetry. Um, and my blog is zone126.blogspot.co.uk. Or you can just Google Keith Jarrett Poet. And yeah, they need to add the up. poet. Yeah, because there is another Keith Jarrett. There is another famous. Keith Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you in a cave over yeah. microphones. It's like when we sort of set up, it was like kind of weird. We hadn't seen each other, even though you've yeah. hosted my my show last night. We yeah. haven't seen each other really since you've been in Edinburgh. So I wanted to like hug you and say hello, but I was setting up and all of yeah. this sort of stuff. And it was like, wow, I'm sitting sitting down with somebody who I've not even talked to for a yeah. moment beforehand. Yeah. I mean, it's been a really nice conversation. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, yeah so thanks Thank very much. The last Thank thing you. that I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, audience, wherever you are. Um, <laughs> adios. Hasta luego. Ciao. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>